Uh, it just so happened that uh, this passage already came up in the rotation in this morning's uh, offering reading. Uh, so we get to hear it twice today. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're looking at Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is preaching here the good news of the kingdom of heaven. So in the section uh, of his sermon in Matthew 6, uh, Jesus is talking about the Father rewarding those who practice their righteousness for his sake alone. Uh, in contrast with those who p- put on a show of righteousness for uh, the praise they might receive from other people. And hey, there's good news. Uh, everybody gets a reward. A reward. If, if you really want the praise of men, you can get it by making sure other people know how righteous you are. Uh, if, on the other hand, you want a reward from the Father, you can have that. You can have the reward from the Father. That reward, however, comes in a very strange way in the gospel. It's a different kind of reward than we're used to thinking. And uh, these rewards... Um, you know, the, the praise of men on the one hand and this reward from the Father on the other, uh, they are mutually exclusive. You cannot really have both. Um, so uh, Jesus talks about uh, three sort of righteous practices in this section uh, in Matthew 6. He's talking about almsgiving first and then prayer and then fasting. So we'll just take those uh, one at a time, uh, beginning with almsgiving this week uh, and the reward associated with that. So um, let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, strengthen us by the power of your spirit to truly hear and understand and be changed by your word, to embrace it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the, hypocrite, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not left, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. <clears throat> So just for the sake of definition, uh, we're talking about almsgiving. That's what it means, uh, this giving to the needy. When you give to the needy, that's literally almsgiving. It's rooted, uh, the Greek word there is rooted in the word for mercy. It is a charitable generosity that benefits especially those who are in need, the poor, right? So in the Old Testament, um, you had different forms of offerings that you would bring either to the temple or just give. And uh, so there's tithes, that's sort of that basic uh, fundamental, you know, you bring a tenth of your income as an offering to the tabernacle or the temple, and that's sort of a minimal baseline expectation for God's people. Uh, Beyond that, beyond the tithe, there are other offerings, and God's people are to give to those who are in need as they're able, according to your ability. You give to those who are in need. Uh, Jesus says here not if you give to the needy, but when you give to the needy, right? So charitable generosity... is expected of us. There's, there's uh, several commands of, uh, by God in the scriptures regarding this. We read uh, one of those places in the Old Testament reading that uh, John read <clears throat> uh, from Deuteronomy 15. It says, you shall give to the needy person freely. Your heart shall not be grudging when you give, him, uh, when you give to him because for this the Lord your God will bless you. There's that idea of that reward. will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land, therefore I command you, 
you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So it's because of your relationship with God, basically, uh, for the Lord's blessing and reward. Be merciful and give to the poor, give to the needy. That's a basic righteous practice. It's a basic aspect of religious life, uh, like prayer will be. We'll talk, talk about that next week. Jesus goes on to talk about prayer <clears throat> as a, a, another basic righteous practice. Um, you know, so that this, Jesus isn't overthrowing the idea that this is a basic right, righteous practice. Um, but so we, we give alms. We give alms as a church. We do this regularly. Uh, we collect tithes and offerings during our regular, you know, worship service um, on a weekly basis. And then on the first Sunday of each month, uh, we have that box in the back for almsgiving. We collect alms, gifts of mercy to help the needy who are either among us or uh, who come to the church asking for help. <clears throat> so we do that. In uh, this part of his sermon, Jesus is addressing the motives that are at work in something like that. The motives, the heart motives for that, uh, the motives that drive the basic practice of almsgiving. The religious leaders in his day, you know, we talk about them uh, <clears throat> pretty much all the time when you're in the Gospels because he's always in conflict with these religious leaders uh, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the very best religious people. They really were. They were the best religious people, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. They made sure everybody knew it. Uh, they called attention to themselves. <clears throat> As he says, uh, you know, the hypocrites do this in the synagogues and in the streets. They sound a trumpet before them. So when they come to church, the synagogue, right, come to church and they give, or they meet somebody on the street and they give, they're making it known that they're very religious people. It might be that they literally sounded trumpets when they gave alms. Probably not. More likely, it's uh, figurative language. Um, you know, they tooted their own horns. I mean, that's pretty good uh, figurative language that we use. So, <clears throat> uh, so they let others know about their gifts to the poor, right? So that, for the purpose of, you know, others noticing how charitable and generous they were. Then, as you can easily imagine... Uh, they would feel good about the positive feedback they received, right? That's, that's their reward for doing good. That's not hard for us to imagine. Uh, we do the same thing. Uh, I remember seeing uh, <clears throat> some videos uh, uh, on YouTube of a guy who would uh, order a pizza to be delivered, and then when the delivery person showed up, uh, give him a $1,000 tip and film the reaction. It's a YouTube video, right? Uh, and it's, it's pretty great to see the impact that generosity like that can have on somebody who's in need. Uh, but the rich guy, the guy who was being generous, he, <clears throat> he wasn't looking to stay anonymous. He used that reaction to make himself look good. I mean, that's, he's doing it to impress people with his generosity, to get likes for his videos, to get the positive social feedback, that dopamine hit that we all know about when somebody clicks like on something you posted on social media, to feel good about himself because of the praise that he received. Um, he was looking for a reward. And he was doing something, he was practicing righteousness, doing something that was good, right? He was doing a good thing that helped another person in order to get that reward. He was making a big show of his selfless, altruistic generosity, but at the root of it was actually not selflessness, right? It's a desire for praise. And Jesus says that's what hypocrites do. That's what hypocrites do. In classical Greek, uh, the word hypocrite was used of an actor who put on a mask, he put on a mask to play a character, uh, pretending to be somebody that he's not. Right? Somebody who is practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them is somebody who's playing to a crowd. They're, they're play-acting for the sake of critical reviews and audience applause. And the reward thereafter is glory. 
They're after a reward, and it's glory. That's, uh, Jesus says here, they, they make a show of charitable generosity so that they may be praised by others. And that word praised is literally that they may be glorified. It's pretty strong language, biblically speaking. In the Bible, it means more than just having someone applaud you, clap, you know, pat you on the back, say, uh, nice, nice work, fellow. <clears throat> right? It's glory in the Bible is uh, substance. It's substance. It's weightiness. Right? So people who live for the praise of others, they're looking to be somebody because of the praise of other people. They're looking to be substantial as a person, to find their substance as a person because of the praise of others, to derive who they are from what others think about them. They're looking to get something from others' opinions of them. They're trying to manipulate those opinions to get what they want from those opinions. They want something that justifies their existence and gives them a sense of satisfaction in who they are. Right? They're looking to earn a favorable judgment. They're looking to live vicariously through others. Looking at themselves through the eyes of other people. And Jesus says with his absolute authority, truly I say to you, they've received their reward. There's a sense of emptiness about that statement. Some, some kind of accomplishment, right? They, they got what they were looking for. But emptiness. You want the praise of men. You can get that. You can live that way. You want likes and the dopamine hit. You can get that. But you know how fleeting that reward is. It doesn't really have to be spelled out for you. You know how fleeting and empty that reward is really is. That reward is not the judgment of paramount importance. It won't bring ultimate satisfaction to your life. Living for that reward, living for the praise of men, hollows you out. It makes you a chameleon. It makes you a mask. You're not just wearing a mask. It makes you a mask. It doesn't produce the weightiness, the substance of a, of a person, right? Substance of true glory in you. You can have it if you really want it. The praise of men. Or you can have the other reward Jesus talks about if you want that. And again, the two are mutually exclusive, he says. It says in verse 3, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. <clears throat> Left hand, right hand stuff, he's speaking figuratively and uh, hyperbolically. Uh, it's, of course, it's impossible to do something with your right hand and at the same time keep it a secret from your left hand. It's impossible actually for your left hand to know things. So he's speaking figuratively, right? It's, it's impossible, uh, the things that he's talking about. He's saying, it should, should be obvious, <laughs> he's saying uh, not only should you not be generous so that other people will notice, you shouldn't be generous so that you will notice. You shouldn't even notice your own generosity. That's what he's saying. <clears throat> not only should you not practice your righteousness in order to impress other people, you should not practice righteousness in order to pre- impress even yourself. Not only should you not live for the favorable judgment of others, you should not live for the sake of having a favorable judgment of yourself, to be satisfied with yourself, to congratulate yourself, even in your own mind. It, 
it doesn't really matter whether someone else sees your generosity or not, whether it's actually visible. It doesn't matter whether that, that's not really the point. Like when we pass along the offering, uh, try to hide the fact that you slip a check, some cash into the offering so that other people don't notice, that's not the point, right? <clears throat> to give in secret. Uh, in fact, earlier in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already said that we're to live out our transformed lives as those who belong to him, who have a relationship with God. We're to live that out publicly and visibly so that people can see our good deeds and glorify our Father who's in heaven. So our generosity can be visible to other people, right? To the glory of God and not to ourselves. So the point of doing our deeds in secret is not that you have to hide your generous actions so that no one else sees them. The problem isn't other people knowing. The problem is what you get out of other people knowing. It's, the problem is what you get out of you knowing. Jesus says, don't put on a mask. Don't put on a show. Don't live a righteous life and be a generous person for the sake of other people's thoughts about you or even for the sake of your own thoughts about yourself. That's not the, the way to true reward, to true substance as a person, to true glory. The true reward is in your communion with God. The true reward is living with him and living before him in secret. That is really in, in, in the secret places of your heart before God, right? Places that no one else can see and no one else can judge except God alone. Living before the face of God alone. Right? So your giving is to be done in secret. It means being done for God's sake alone. For his eyes only because of your relationship with him. Because of your relationship with him. And that relationship is itself the reward that you can have if you want it. You can have it if you want it. <clears throat> so I'm not saying, uh, you know, if you uh, try really hard and you're truly selfless and generous enough, then maybe God will allow you to be his friend and reward you with that friendship. Uh, I'm saying if, if what matters to you is your relationship with God, then communing with him in his life of true generosity, that communion is the reward that you want. This, uh, this idea here, is that you would become uh, so loving, so God-centered, so other-focused in your generosity that, <clears throat> that you would cease to think about what your generosity says about you. The approval-seeking, play-acting self would die, and the self that you'd be left with is a self that's like God's self. It's like God's self. God is so other-focused in his generosity. He is so selfless in his love that he is defined by his love. His love is his glory. His love is his substance. His love is his true substance. The one God that we worship is three persons. Good luck getting your mind around that. We can say some things about it. <clears throat> we can't fully comprehend it, but the one God that we worship is three persons, and the very personhood of each person is established in love, is established in self-giving love to the other. The Father lives to give himself to the Son. That's who he is. That's how he has his substance. That's how he has his glory. He lives to give himself to the Son. The Son lives to give himself in return to the Father. And the Spirit lives as the mutual gift, the very glory of divine love, the very substance of divine love himself. That's the Holy Spirit. So for God to be a person means living toward, means living for the other, being so other-centered in your love that that defines his personhood. And the Son of God now lives out this divine personhood as a human being. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, talk about rich, the, the wealth of heaven and eternity, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He completely gave himself to us and for us. God gave himself for us in Jesus. Jesus is the true almsgiving. Jesus is the great gift of God's mercy. If ever there were undeserving poor, we were it. Because of our sin, because of our own willful uh, rebellion against the God of love, we were destitute spiritually, we were without God and without hope apart from him, yet God's heart was not grudging. He did not close his hand. He did not withhold himself, even from the undeserving poor. He gave to us freely in the riches of his grace. He gave us himself. That's what's glorious about him. That's his glory. That's what is substantial and weighty about him. That's what defines his life, God's life. It's an incredible thing to consider that the triune God of love exists. The triune God of love has his very being by giving himself. And the glory of his being is his reward that he shares with us in Christ. So through faith in Jesus, as you come to a relationship with this God, through his self-gift, then his spirit of fellowship, his spirit of communion dwells in you, in your heart. His life comes alive in you, and you participate in God's life, in his own glorious being, in his own generous love. So in Christ, you participate in the life that makes God who he is. You participate in the life that makes God, God. As Jesus makes your relationship to God the most important thing in your life, then your life, yourself, changes to become more like him. So regarding almsgiving and uh, being generous to the poor, then this, this means you stop considering yourself so much in the matter, and you actually give for the good of others because you're really considering other people. Because of your relationship with the God who lives for the good of others and his life is alive in you. This is the only way for your giving to be genuine, uh, to be sincere, to be unfeigned, artless, without pretense or guile or ostentation, uh, for you to stop being the mask. The only way for your giving to not be about you is for your life to not be about you, but to be a life lived in communion with the other-centered God. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, We have to take heed that we do not take heed of our own righteousness. Genuine love is always self-forgetful in the true sense of the word. But if we're to have it, this genuine love, our old man must die with all his virtues and qualities. And this can only be done where the disciple forgets self and clings solely to Christ. Solely to Christ. So charitable generosity done in secret means the death of yourself. Right, The self that was living for the judgment of yourself, death of that self, and living in response to the gracious God who has loved you and who has given himself for you in his son. Jesus went to the cross in your place for your judgment. He took that self, that self-centered self, to the cross where it was killed. And the ultimate judgment God rendered to him in our place, the ultimate judgment was favorable. <clears throat> when he raised him from the dead and when he seated him at his right hand in glory. So now, uh, rather than living for the vicarious judgment of others, to be seen by them, to get the likes, 
to get the dopamine hit so we can feel good about how other people think about us. Rather than living for the vicarious judgment of other people, you can live from the vicarious judgment of Jesus, who is God's beloved Son. In Jesus, God the Father has already established your life, your substance, even your glory, your eternal glory, as one of his children up front. He's done it up front. He's done it freely. He's already done it. So almsgiving uh, and generosity toward the poor, it's not about earning anything. It's about communing with the one whose life is a gift of mercy. Talk about reward. Talk about glory. That's true glory. That's real substance, real personhood in communion with God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you've said that we can have you. We can have your son, Jesus. We can have your Holy Spirit if we want. Triune God, you've already given yourself to us an eternal pledge, and uh, we've tasted the emptiness of living for the praise of others, and apart from your grace, we would have a taste for nothing else, but you have been gracious to us. So we do want you. We want your life in us. We want the true glory of participating in what makes you who you are, the glory of divine love. We want the reward of this communion with you, your life alive in us, to drive our generosity the way we help each other and others who have need. You're the only one who can meet us and change us in the secret places of our hearts, so we ask that you would do it. Make us more like you. Fill us up with your own gift life, your own generous love of others through the Spirit of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.